Welcome to a football show. I forgot the name of the show, Zach. (laughs) It is a football show. It is Monday edition. Normally, we are sitting live at the pharmacy, but Zach, a little under the weather. The weather itself is not all that great. Uh, Unlike Ryan Tannehill, I play sick. Fucking sniffles, letting him not play. What kind of crap is that? Or, or he's just got a really bad ankle, and they just needed to to to, to smoke screen you into thinking something else is happening. Uh, of course, thank you, uh, th- thanks to Zach, and have a happy Halloween, everybody. Stay safe out there during amateur hour. I'm very flustered today. Uh, sixth consecutive victory Monday here on the show. The Tennessee Volunteers are freaking awesome at football. Apparently, I have not said that enough, Zach, and I am catching heat from friends, family, and alumni that I'm I don't say that they're awesome. I'm not catching any kind of heat, and I'm an Alabama fan, and I'm not catching any heat because I've been telling you. <laughs> for every carton of uh, cigarettes that I've been smoking, I have told you every show <laughs> that UT is going to be a good football team this year, and you I, laughed at me. No, no. I So I never laughed at you. I thought they'd be very good. No one. I Here's the thing. You are one of the only human beings on the face of this earth that I can say unequivocally pick them to beat Georgia before the season started. If you pick Tennessee, because we're going to talk Titans, they dominated King Henry. They did exactly what you told them to do on Thursday's show in terms of lining up, play defense, you know, run the football, blah, 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 blah. We did not know that Willis was going to, Malik Willis was going to start at that time. But uh, to, to continue to give you credit for this, if you picked Tennessee to go eight and zero for the first time since 1998 and only for like the seventh time in school history, Josh Heupel becoming only the fourth coach in Tennessee history to start a season eight and zero. If you were claiming that before the season, I need to see the receipts. I know that you said it, Zach, so I don't have to doubt you. I know you said they're going to beat Georgia. I know you said they could go 10 and two and they could win the division. You, I know you said all of that. But if you're claiming eight no and number two in the nation, I need to see some receipts, folks. Is that is that a fair? That's not that's not that unusual of a request here, right? Right. I agree. Show okay. your receipts. Right. Our receipts are on the internet and they're forever. <laughs> God bless Twitter. God bless Twitter. Happy Halloween, everybody! Special thanks to our amazing sponsors up here, of course, on above the screen. If you're watching on the YouTube, make sure you turn on all the notifications, rate, review, subscribe. Special thanks to the Pharmacy Kingston Group and Weiss Liquors, of course. Uh, the Pharmacy, look. In honor of the Tennessee Volunteers, the best mustard in the city. I, I feel I feel confident saying that the pharmacy has the best mustard in the city. And if you need a jar to throw onto the field at some point during the next few weeks, which you might need against Missouri or South Carolina or Georgia this weekend, perhaps against, I don't know, Ole Miss in the SEC championship game, go to the pharmacy, get you some of that horseradish Dijon mustard to go with the tots, the brats, the burgers, everything. The chicken sandwich is delicious. That's not even what they're known for. And it's delicious. So go check out the pharmacy, of course, right over there. I've had their salmon burger. It's pretty good, too. You've had the salmon burger? Really? I have not had the salmon. i got to try the salmon burger. It's pretty good. Okay. That's a tough tough ask for me. Like, I love salmon, and I love burgers. I'm not sure if I've ever had one together, combined forces like that. But uh, it's it's an excellent place to go have lunch, of course. Take the family. Take the kids. Great place for a business lunch. You need to take some clients. Go impress some people. Go to a locally owned business. Support local business and get you some of the best mustard in the entire history of Nashville, maybe the entire state. It might be the best mustard in the whole state. I'm just saying. The mustard's great. I like it. You do. You're throwing the mustard uh, mustard uh, fight plan down. Gaunt, yeah, the gauntlet. The gauntlet. I've, 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 I've thrown, that's what I'm living it up. It's called the, the fight glove. 
Save, save your voice for the defensive pass rush for the Titans, Malik Willis, Derrick Henry, and the Texans. We'll just save your voice for that. Uh, buildkg.com, of course, the Kingston Group. Make sure you check them out as well. Before you make any big decisions about your house, you're going to make any renovations or additions or any decisions about buying or selling, make sure you talk to the Kingston Group. They, you, they're people that you can trust. They're locally owned, award-winning right here in Nashville. And, of course, Weiss Liquors. Uber Eats Weiss Liquors to ship that booze right to your house in as quickly as 20 minutes. They drive so you could drink. Boom. There you go. There you have it. So support all of our great local sponsors. We'll get to Tennessee. We'll get to the Auburn drama, of course. They look like they've hired an athletic director and fired a coach. Finally, we've got Will Levis feedback. We've got Georgia. We've got Tennessee. Lots of SEC stuff, but we're going to focus, obviously, on the Tennessee Titans' fifth consecutive win. They are a field goal away, Zach, from being 6-1 and one and having the second-best record in the entire NFL. It doesn't matter how it looks sometimes in the NFL. It may matter in the playoffs, but it doesn't matter right now how it looks. You did it with a quarterback making his first start who has no clue what's happening on a football field, but you went out there and you got a W and it's what the 10th straight road win inside the division. That is unprecedented in the NFL. The, the whole thing is just unprecedented. You're talking about Derrick Henry's uh, fourth straight 200 yard game against the Texans. You're talking about him breaking records. You're talking about Jeffrey Simmons putting up seven total pressures in a phenomenal game after he didn't practice all week. Then you got just all week, what did we say? Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Hilliard, Haskins, <laughs> even let Malik do it if he's doing it. Henry, run the ball. They ran it 45 total times. They ran it for over 300 yards. They got two touchdowns out of it. I mean, at this point, I don't know of a defense that could technically stop them from running the ball. Now, Preseason or postseason plays totally different, but right now, just looking at it, I know it's the 32nd ranked run defense in the league, <laughs> but it's against a rookie quarterback. So, you know, the only person that should be getting the ball is Derrick Henry. And there are plays, yeah. uh, Teron Davenport put out his little dots on a play that move around and show everybody doing something to play. There was ample opportunity for Malik Willis or for the Titans to call a boot, and he just runs it. <clears throat> Excuse me, and he just runs it all free. Because everybody, all the Texans dots are going towards Derrick Henry. <laughs> <clears throat> Let me say this. Malik Willis being in there, Ryan Tannehill being in there, it changed nothing for this game plan, and that is what we said. All right, we're gonna, we'll get to Malik Willis, but it is astounding that a professional football team does not it's 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 Belichickian what they did in the second half that that you can know exactly what's happening and still not stop it is is just not it's not a professional football thing thing it shouldn't be a thing that happens in the professional ranks now you again take a breather save the voice get yourself a lozenge let me rattle off some stats here just in case anybody was under a rock and didn't consume the internet in the last 24 hours uh this of course was Derrick Henry's Sixth 200-yard game of his career, fourth straight against the Houston Texans. That puts him in the category with O.J. Simpson and Adrian Peterson, uh, only three players that have had six 200-yard rushing games. The second play of the game was his longest rush of the season. If that didn't tell you exactly what the day was going to look like on his second on the second play of the game, he goes for 41 yards. Davis Mills throws an interception on the fifth row of the game at the end of their first possession. That was sort of all you needed to know about how the game was going to play out. In those first two possessions, he, of course, scores two rushing touchdowns, now 75 total touchdowns, first all-time in combined franchise history for the Oilers and the Titans, his 72nd rushing touchdown 
one behind Earl Campbell, who had 73 rushing touchdowns and zero receiving touchdowns. Again, questions about Bum Phillips' offense. I'm just curious, you know, about what Bum Phillips was doing, not throwing the ball to Earl Campbell, but <laughs> that's a total side note. <laughs> that's a total side note for, for the history nerds there. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, we're going to get to the defense, but they, the Houston Texans had 90 yards on their final drive. They had 161 total, which I'm not good at math. That means they had 71 yards going into the final drive. So uh, just all out humiliation and domination. And you knew exactly what was coming. So it makes it even more gratifying if you're Derrick Henry, the Titans offensive line and the Tennessee Titan fan base. Well, let's not forget that he got all these touchdowns in 61 starts. It took Earl Campbell 90 starts. It took Eddie George 128 starts. 61 starts for Derrick Henry to reach that touchdown total and break the record. That's even more impressive than just breaking the record in general because he did it in such a short amount of time in a league that passes. And the, that's this, that's the most impressive part to me is the, is yeah. the era that he's doing it in. And I look at it this way. This is they embarrassed the Texans. I'm kind of surprised a little bit that Lovey Smith still has a job because that is an embarrassing thing to have to sit through at home for what the fourth or f- fourth time in a row, essentially showing that no matter who is the coach, they cannot <laughs> stop Derrick Henry. No matter who's the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. And. I just, I don't know what more you can say about this team. And I know that people will, and I'm one of the people, it's unsustainable. I'll I'll beat that drum. Okay. But we talked about last week. What a great win last week was versus the Colts. Another great win by this team versus the Texans. And again, when you play against a team like the Texans, You should dominate. You should embarrass them. And this team has had a hard time in its history, and specifically under the Vrabel era, dominating opponents. Now, they didn't go up crazy score or anything, and they kind of let one touchdown go in, which I'm fine with because it is, for my fantasy team, I needed that Damian (laughs) Pierce touchdown. I I needed it in every league. (laughs) But they dominated. They dominated defensively. The Goblin King, everybody just calls him the King. He should be called the Goblin King. It's Halloween. The Goblin King, Henry, just <laughs> dominated him. And there, you're right. There was nothing they could do. Everybody knew it was happening, right? Especially after Malik got announced as a starter. I had people in my mentions saying, oh, Derrick Henry, they're not going to run it that much or be able to run it that much because everybody knows that uh, Derrick Henry's getting the ball. I had a guy tell me he wasn't even going to get 100 yards. I said, I guarantee you, he's easily going to get 100 yards. And here's why. Because the Colts, a much better defense, knew that Derrick Henry was getting the ball. And they couldn't fucking stop him. The Texans had no fucking chance to stop him. Yeah. I think that's – it's interesting because, like, there's certainly lots of nuance to the matchups, right? Colts at home versus Texans on the road. But I think taking Tannehill off the team – and, again, we'll get to Malik Willis. I I think the fact that there was almost no threat of – like, there's no weaponry. There's no – and, again, we joked about this on Thursday. Don't tell me – like. The, the win over the Colts, Vrabel said one of his proudest, one of his toughest wins in, in sort of the history of his his career. And I tend to agree, and I, I you kind of pointed that out, and I agreed with you. But I also think there's an element of this kind of game where you're on the road against a team, again, not a good team, not even a, not, you know, a, a, a bad team, but one that plays hard to, to where you know that there is no threat of anything else. 
there's just there was no threat of anything else. Once Willis threw the interception, there was no threat. And so I could argue the way that they humiliated the Texans on both sides of the ball in the situation that they did is almost as impressive as what they did against the Colts. Just because of the statistics, the gravity of dom like it, it was like the gravity of domination without your quarterback is well, is on the road. You alluded to it. It's like what Bill Belichick in the snow game against the uh, Buffalo Bills last year just ran the ball. He didn't fucking care. He was just yeah. going to run the ball every play in the snow, not going to put it in Mac Jones's hands. And that's what he did. And listen, we said, even with Ryan Tano, because there was a tweet that went out uh, by someone on Twitter that said, uh, uh, you know, even with Ryan Tano in the game, I kind of still think this would have been seven to three. It's a hot take. At the time, it was seven to three. Right, right, right. <clears throat> and I agree. I kind of agree with them because this was going to be the plan, even with an injured Ryan Tannehill, was to let the Goblin King eat some souls right on <laughs> All Hallows Eve because that's what he wanted to do. He went in there and he wanted to make a statement game. I don't know what Nick Chubb is going to do on Monday Night Football at the time of this recording. Is there any running back better than Derrick Henry? Even even this is not the same old Derrick Henry because he's still not breaking off the runs like he used to because that second play, he would have been gone if that was yeah, uh, yeah. pre-injury Derrick Henry. And that's he, fine. He is he's not a he's, different he's, running back for some reason now. Yeah, he's not as explosive. There's no question about that, but still pretty ridiculously explosive. I, I, I've said this for years, and I'll say it today too. Like I think he is the best pure runner on the planet. Like I think that because I think there are guys that can do other things that Derrick Henry doesn't necessarily do great, primarily catch the football, where you can use it like like what Christian McCaffrey did for the Niners. You cannot do that with Derrick Henry, but you cannot do what Derrick Henry did with Christian McCaffrey. He's got so. a couple touchdown passes. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I just mean, but like if you ask Derrick to do what C Mac does, you can't do it. If you ask McCaffrey to do what Derrick Henry did on Sunday, he couldn't do it. He cannot line up and single-handedly carry a team to victory the way Derrick Henry did. And and I think what's funny, and, and you bring this up, historical context of the Titans running back situation, they're all, what I find so interesting is that Earl Campbell, Eddie George, and Derrick Henry played in three vastly different eras of football with vastly different rules, with vastly different uh, quarterbacks supporting them, frankly, and offensive schemes and like everything is so different, but yet all three of them are so cut from the same mold and same cloth and same style. I do not think Eddie George, and this is maybe sacrilege, I do not think Eddie George is among the greatest running backs of all time. I just think he, his personality and his so, like his larger than life off the his field durability is what gets him off the up, charts. What gets him the yeah. recognition that he has? It's not because he was a spectacular runner, right? Is because he was available for so long. And, and I know, my- no, I agree with you. It's his availability, which is a skill set, like his size and toughness, which is very similar to Derrick Henry. But Derrick Henry also has the Earl Campbell athletic skill and talent. And that's the difference. Like Derrick Henry is the combination of the two of them. And because I, again, Eddie George, I want to say like 3.6 yards per carry for like his career. Like he's not an explosive guy, but they, he didn't play in an era where you needed to be. It's what made LaDainian Tomlinson special. It's what made Barry Sanders special is these guys that had this other world like athleticism. Earl Campbell had that. Again, not sure why they didn't use him in the passing game, but whatever. Uh, the Derrick Henry thing, he just isn't a great receiver, but from a running standpoint, there's nobody better that I'd rather hand, turn around and give the ball to than that guy. And for him to do it at this age, after this many carries, and to to now be, like, again, one game away, basically, from 
being the all-time rushing touchdown leader as well. Like again, and Chris Johnson's not even in the conversation when we mentioned the great the three greatest. We haven't even mentioned Chris Johnson. I don't I don't want to be I'd take I'd put Chris Johnson over Eddie George, but that's I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, actually. I don't I don't necessarily. I, I think I, I don't know if there's a franchise, like there's certainly players in in like Again, the Rams had Marshall Falk, and like there's there. This is the running back franchise. So that's that's what I wanted to ask you because I think that there are other franchises that have some like like bigger, better name, like one name or two names that might be bigger or better. But I don't know that there's many franchises that have three guys like that, and then a second guy with two thousand yards and Chris Johnson and Lindell White wasn't fucking half bad either. Like I mean, when you really think about it, Lindell White in split duty with Chris Johnson was still going crazy for yards. I mean, you could maybe make an argument. I don't even know if you can make an argument for the Ravens, really. Um, I, I mean, if you're counting, I, I, I look at it this way. I think they're they get they're the, the franchise with the most top tier hall of fame level running backs. Now you can argue whether they may get in the hall of fame or not, but at least they're in the conversation, right? You got five running backs in a, almost a modern era, at least three since the 1999 that are in the conversation to go into the hall of fame, right? Not even including Earl Campbell. So that's a pretty remarkable thing. I'm not saying that they will, but how many has actual conversations about them? We, we, okay. So Emmett Smith and Tony Dorsett for the Cowboys is is a pretty good one and two um if you go now if you're counting eric dickerson marshall falk you know that's a pretty good collection for the rams you got jerome bettis and and uh uh uh, franco harris and a bunch of other guys for the steelers if you're gonna count that if you're gonna count lindo white i get to say Le'Veon bell for example right um i'm just like again i'm not suggesting but but you're only naming two people Right, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not necessarily. I think some of those names are clearly above everyone for the Titans. I think Derrick Henry has a chance to move up into that list, honestly. And I think Earl Campbell, from a talent perspective, belongs in that conversation. But like again, like Jim Brown is not a guy people think about. Like he's not a top ten all time leading rusher in the NFL. But Jim Brown, you could argue, was the greatest running back of all time. So it's not necessarily all about the stats, right? And I think that's where the Oilers franchise slash Titans franchise gets hurt a little bit because of how they've played the style of running back they have, but it's hard to put a, a foursome together that is better than Earl Campbell, Derek Henry, Eddie George, and Chris Johnson. If you include where Henry is going to end up his, where the end of his career is, honestly, Barry Sanders says, congrats to King Henry too, on another dominant day, yeah. making a real strong case to be the next guy to go Heisman trophy to pro football hall of fame. And let me say this. Not many of those guys. Yeah. Let me say this. It was even better that is on the day that the Jaguars lost and that Jonathan Taylor looked so pedestrian and the Colts lost. And of course they beat the Texans. So I'm all in. I'm all in on yesterday's performance by Derrick Henry. Yeah, there's no question. There's not and I mean, there's what? no better time than to trade Derrick Henry than right now. Why do you got to go and destroy an entire show? We have a whole plan of things to talk about uh, in the show. And the trade deadline is what tomorrow. tomorrow. And, and by, by, by the way, how many we'll have a special special trade episode today? Later out today. Oh, oh, I like that. Uh, by the way, how many uh, King Henry costumes do you think are walking around Nashville tonight? <laughs> oh, a bunch. At least at least a bunch of dads walking their kid over in the jersey. Yeah, 
Yes, there's no. Uh, oh, you need a costume, kid? Okay, here's a Derrick Henry jersey and a crown. Go out there and have some fun. Get some candy. Uh, make sure you check out. And, and while you're doing that, make sure you check out all of our great and amazing sponsors. Pharmacy, Kingston Group, Weiss Liquors. Uh, great place to have a, a lunch, perhaps, uh, after Halloween, before Halloween. Celebrate the Titans. Go to the pharmacy. Grab yourself a burger. All that great stuff. Home renovation needs. Kingston Group. Booze needs. Weiss Liquors. There you go. Um, are you expecting, like, I, <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you about the trade deadline, but... Well, I know you, you, got... you can hear what I expect on football and other efforts later out today. Oh, How about that? That's, that's such a, a yeah, but that I, that's like that's some SEC football stuff. There, it's very incestuous. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I love it. I, I love it in the SEC. So, uh, can I ask you one question? Yes. Left tackle or wide receiver? L- left tackle. Okay. So listen to Zach's conversation about that later. What What would Titans fans do if they traded Derrick Henry? Oh, it would they would go nuts and it would be so fun to watch. <laughs> it really would. Be. But wouldn't your heart hurt though a little bit? Like as nah, a fan, like I have no attention. I mean, maybe they will. I mean, I get where they're coming from, but uh, I'm not as I'm not a, a guy that gets attached to players. No, but I, what I mean is like this he is their chance to win games right. Their only chance to win games this season is with Derrick Henry. Especially if Ryan Tannehill's hurt for any extended period of time. But I don't think he's their only chance. Okay. He wasn't their only chance last year. All right, that's that's true. That's true. As, as Dante Foreman goes for three, five touchdowns in two games as a starter, <laughs> as a starter. Um, all right, so let's look at the defense. Then again, I pointed this out. They got nine. Houston got ninety yards on their final possession, scored the only offensive touchdown of the game for them. Uh, this is a credit to Mike Herndon, by the way, who posted this. I still stole this from him. Eighty-three yards allowed, nineteen seventy-one. Eighty-three total yards allowed. 1971 is the franchise record. The Titans' modern record for yards allowed in a game, 95 yards. That was back in 2000. So this was on pace to be the greatest defensive performance in the history of the franchise, if if not for the final drive of the game where they put 90-plus yards on the board. They end up with 161 total, but the quarterback couldn't do anything. The, the star running back, who's very talented, could not do anything. The receivers were not open at any point. This was as complete a performance by a defense as I've seen from any team in the NFL all season long. Yeah, it was it was awesome. And I'm going to throw another hot take out there because we're talking about uh-huh. Derrick Henry and greats and all this kind of stuff. Jeffrey Simmons, the best defender the Titans have ever had. Ooh, Hands down. He's Welcome a, to the club. I, I will say this. He's much better than any defensive tackle they've had, including Albert Hainsworth, including Jarrell Casey, because if you look at the stats through the first four years, he is dominating them, dominating them. And not only is he dominating himself, he is letting Tier Tart, an undrafted free agent, who is they're both in the top 10, a pass rush win rate. Both of them. That includes edge players, if I'm not mistaken. They are in the top 10. I have to go back and find that stat. But they are awesome. Danico Autry, awesome. <laughs> I know how much you love him. <laughs> I, I, you, so- just, you just can't find a better defensive player. And I'm going to say it. I think he's the best defensive player in the league right now. People are going to call me a homer. They may call me crazy. But when you see a grown man take another grown man to make a tackle on the running back. It's over. And that you see his Aaron Donald type shit. And that Aaron Donald himself is not doing this year. And, it, and like the running backs body, like is like a jolts to the ground. Like, like hits the ground hard. Like he got uh, shot. He got sniped. <laughs> he, got, he did. I've been saying this for, I don't know, three years now. I think he's the second best defensive tackle on the planet. And this year he might be number one, but to like he, he from a physical standpoint, 
Albert Hainsworth was pretty damn physically gifted. It was all between the ears for him in terms of effort and, and work. And did he want to be there? And can he avoid shitty penalties and all kinds of other stuff? Casey was all the opposite. Jarrell Casey was all work ethic, culture, team, team, team. He, he sort of overachieved achieved his physical limitations. Jeffrey Simmons' physical limitations, uh, there are none. Like he, But again, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He was a dominant force at Mississippi State under Dan Mullen. The only thing that held him back was the knee injury and the really stupid decision he made when he was in high school. Otherwise, physically, he he is indom- he's been in Dominican Sioux since the day he stepped on an SEC football field. And that's his size and speed, like physicality. And now you're seeing it all in, in, in on full display. And of course, uh, good timing for him and his agent, by the way. So, yeah. Yeah. The, Jay Rob's really probably wishing he would have got that deal done before the offseason. <laughs> yeah. But- I. Either pay way, your studs, pay your studs. Either way, this is great for when they eventually trade Jeffrey Simmons on draft night in 2023 because they couldn't get a contract done. God, why you got to do that, people? But anyway, <laughs> dominant. And not only that, Christian Fulton was targeted seven times and he only allowed one catch for negative three yards. Is that good? <laughs> well, it's, and he got an interception on top of that. Like, Yeah, Fulton's been, Fulton's been very, very good the last couple of weeks now. Yeah. I think so. It's so hard to do this because you're like five straight wins, five straight wins, taking over the division, dominating the division, historical context for Derrick Henry, the defense. I do think the defense can win them some playoff games, like maybe one, maybe two. I don't know. That's how good the defense could be if they get there healthy, right? Like I'm watching other teams in the NFL. People are just dropping like flies because the injury thing is just everywhere. And and my God, the NFL was hard to watch on Sunday. Holy shit. It was tough to watch on Sunday. Yeah, it was bad. And the offense is way down. So maybe this is the right year to be the team that can't score. Maybe there's so, like, again, Buffalo's Buffalo. Uh, they're, they're off on their own planet. I'm not buying Philadelphia just yet in terms of their staying power in the playoffs, but they're certainly very talented on offense. But y- you got to do other things in the playoffs. And it starts with a great, truly great defense. And this could be the best defense in the NFL. Uh, I don't know if you saw my tweets today, which you should turn on notifications if you didn't see them, Braden. And you know what? Everybody else should turn on notifications too. It's when you change your. It's when you change your your title that throws me off. And yeah, I'm like, I, I just it's just spooky. It's frightening. Another <laughs> f words. Since the Bills, they have allowed the lowest EPA, the fifth lowest EPA, and the lowest success rate. This defense since the Buffalo Bills, they are first in allowing the lowest run EPA and first and low success rate against the run. They're all, they are only allowing 29.1% successful runs per game. 29.1 seventh in EPA and ninth in, uh, in a success rate against the pass. And this is since the bills they've whatever happened after the bills where they had that players only meeting. That's very underreported by the way, players only meeting. Worked. Did, this did defense you... is fucking unstoppable. The only the only person that can stop this defense is Caleb Farley. That's the only <laughs> guy that can stop this defense right now. I knew you'd get him in somehow. Um, does it have anything to do at all at all with Raiders, Colts, Commanders, Colts, Texans? I'm sure there's some of it, but again, that's what they're supposed to do, right? And this is a defense that typically doesn't. Listen, th- don't forget they let Matt Collins go off like crazy. Yeah, that's true. They they that's were true. letting Carson Wentz come back into the game. The Colts threw for 300-something yards against them. Look, stuff like that happens. And and But they, you know what they did? 
And you know what matters? The points. That's what matters. Yeah. Uh, they've also taken the ball away nine times during that span and only given it away four times during that span. They've had two games where they didn't turn the ball over at all. Obviously, one was Robert Woods dropped punt, and the other one was a bad throw by Malik Willis, so nothing really to do there with um, you know, Derrick Henry and any of the stars there. How about this for rush defense, as you're pointing out? Just total yards. Raiders, 96. Colts, 38. Commanders, 43. Colts, 65. Texans, 43. That, that is absurd levels of defensive production, and you've already you've already laid out the per-play uh, ratios and everything. So, I, again, is this the year for Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady to fall off the map? Is this the year for every starting quarterback to be hurt? Is this the year where defense and running the football is the formula? I'm not willing to say that. Like you said, it's sustainable, sustainable. Can they sustain? That's a big question, but are they better situated with what's going on around them in the NFL this year? Probably so. I mean, they're going to win the, the division. With the state of the AFC as it sits right now, there is a good chance the Tennessee Titans are going to get a home playoff game. And with the state of the AFC, there is a good chance that they probably will win that home playoff game. And then get reamed in the second round by either the Chiefs or the Bills. Hey, a win in the playoffs at home would be a step forward. It totally would. And, you know, it's all it comes down to how they win and how they lose, right? Because we don't want to see another shitty Ryan Tannehill game. We don't want to see another Derrick Henry get stuffed kind of game. If they lose a close one and it's really no one's fault other than, like, the Bills Chiefs overtime, right? Right, right, right. right. If it's a loss like that, nobody gives a shit and everybody goes home. Yeah sad but relatively happy it's easier it's easier to take it when it makes sense yeah here's what i'm gonna say defense because we're on the defense christian fulton locked down he's back fulton county locked down lock up whatever you want to call it he's back (laughs) jeffrey simmons he's gonna eat best defensive player in the league Danico autry deserves to go to the pro bowl he's never been to the pro bowl and that's insane to me because he's been one of the best and most underrated defensive players in the league since he's come in Look at look at you, look at you Tart. Tart. Pro Bowl. I, I hate the Pro Bowl, but he <laughs> no. deserves it. Tier Tart, he deserves Pro Bowl consideration. This entire defense right now, including Bud Dupree, including Christian Fulton, they deserve a lot of Pro Bowl consideration. And I right. will say, there has been some shit talk about Kevin Byard and that they're probably going to cut him or they're going to need to find his replacement. I don't know what the fuck you're watching. <laughs> and Kevin Byard has been pretty good this year. He's not as good as he was last year, but there's still a whole set of games to go. But don't forget, they'd even thrown his area last uh, two games ago. And he's been playing with how many different combinations of secondary yeah, right. partners? Like every game is break. different. Give me a break. Give me a break. Know, I don't know about that. Uh, and Landon points out in the infamous jet sweep from Malik, one of the four turnovers in that five game winning streak was the was the jet sweep to to Malik Willis, which we all yeah, know two, is it- two of them, <laughs> Malik Willis. Right, that's true. And and as and as a parent who both heard this from my father and am now told this, it was an accident that should have been avoided <laughs> as uh, as the jet sweep goes. So uh, look, I as hard, the one thing that I keep coming back to every time I watch that, that afternoon window on Sunday was some of the worst offensive football I've seen, like in, in that I can remember as a football. It's fan. funny because the, the, the noon games were just all about like multiple touchdowns by right. multiple players right. and going crazy. It was just it was just the Dolphins scoring and then the Eagles scoring and then the Saints scoring and just everybody scoring. And then and then the afternoon window, it was just zero zero after a half of football for every single game. But but the thing that hits me, though, is that maybe 
this whole thing where we have all these ridiculous starting quarterbacks and terrible offense that maybe that's the one year to be in this weird transition state where you're moving on from AJ Brown, you're trying to break in some rookie receivers, you're moving on from some offensive linemen, you lose Lawan and Saffold and now you're breaking in new players. Like it, maybe this was, maybe it works out. Like th- this is the one year that you're supposed to have that it, that it's okay. Now the right side of the offensive line, for example, pretty good. Nate Davis back, Ben Jones, Davis and NPF good football on Sunday between, between those three guys. So, um, daily brewer sucks. <laughs> That's my analysis. Um, so if you'd like to tune in to more trade talk from Zach Lyons, where can people listen, Zach? Anywhere you get your podcast, football and other F-words. Put in your little search bar, click subscribe, click play, listen to the fucking show. <laughs> there you go. Uh, although I'm not sure how much people can listen to the voice this week. You need to, you need to, you're gonna have to take it easy this week before we get to all your other content. Uh, make sure you check out all of our great sponsors as well. Weiss Liquors right there above me. Uh, locally owned and operated for almost a hundred years in Nashville. Uh, great bourbon selection. They've got a really good uh, a manager, Andrew. There, you know, ask for Andrew. He'll walk you through all the purchases you might need if you want some wine advice, which I always need because I'm terrible at wine. I don't know anything about wine. If you need a good wine selection, talk to Andrew at Weiss Liquors and Uber Eats. Of course, search Weiss Liquors. Have the booze delivered to your house in as quickly as twenty minutes. Zach, they drive so you could drink. Sorry, I was muted. I had to unmute myself. It's all right. Kingston Group right there. BuildKG.com. Before you make any big decisions about your house, just talk to them. That's all we ask. Just talk to them. Have a conversation. There are general contractors in this city. I'm not suggesting all of them, but there's many of them that will just not return calls that are not going to help you, that you maybe can't trust. These guys are nose-to-tail operation from design all the way to finishing construction. They are award-winning, locally owned and operated. Kingston Group, a name you can trust in the national market. So check them out. And of course, Pharmacy, burger, parlor, and beer garden. Um, it is a great place to go have lunch. You need to have lunch with the business partner. You need to have lunch with the, you want to meet up with the spouse. You want to take your boys for a beer. You know, not tell anybody that you're drinking beer at lunch. Go to the pharmacy. They have great quality food. They make all their worst in house. They make all the burgers. They got everything there. They got the best mustard in the city. I don't know what else I can say about the pharmacy, Zach. It's a great place to eat lunch. It's fantastic. Yeah. I, and you know what? It only gets better with age because I feel like it's better now than it was when I was living downtown a couple of years ago. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. Also, locally owned and operated since 2011. All of these companies that sponsor 440 make sure and, and other Broadway sports media products as well. I know the Music City Audible brought to you by the pharmacy. So make sure you check out all the great shows, all the local you know businesses, all the local sponsors. Just all just a big Nashville party. You know what I mean? It's just Nashville. Just helping each other out here. Uh, all right. So Malik Willis. He played a football game. That's my analysis. <laughs> uh, there were times, Zach, where I, like, I knew we were going to see some of the same things we, we saw in the preseason, which is receivers that are open and some hesitancy to throw the football. I did not expect to see complete dysfunction before the snap at times. Like, so, like just sometimes... He just forgot that how to play football. Now here, here's what I kept saying to my to my wife and before the snap, some of it was before the snap. Oh, yeah. Okay. So this the the one that was down there in his own goal line where he like literally had no idea what the play was. And Derrick Henry's like, I don't know what are you saying. Can, I can't hear you. I said this to my to my wife and to my six year old. The six year old didn't understand it and had lots of questions. I said he needs to get hit real hard. Like he just you know how sometimes you just need to be woken up. Like oh I'm back in a football game here. 
And then he, he, he scrambled once, got hit, and he popped up with a smile. And I was like, I think that's what he needed. Like, he needed to be reminded, like, take a deep breath. This is the same stuff you've been doing your whole life. I think he actually could have been better running the ball. They could have used him more, I think, to your point about the bootlegs. But by and large, it kind of was what we expected, if not even a little worse. And they didn't throw the ball at all in the second half. So it, it was a, I would, I will say this it's what I expected. I did not see what I wanted to see because the only thing, and I put out a tweet, the only thing I really want to see from Malik Willis is more decisiveness, less hesitation than what we saw in the preseason. I don't care how, I don't care if he throws an interception, I don't care if he misses a wide receiver or a tight end. As long as he gets the ball out quickly. That's all I care about. Just now, get the ball out quickly. And he did not do that. Is that okay? So, like, I agree with you in a preseason situation. In that particular game, once it becomes a, a two-score game, I'd rather him eat it and not throw the interception and not be decisive, if that makes sense, because the turnover could kill you. As it, well, he was only going to turn in. He's only had one pass play in the second half. So, I mean, like, it's kind of a moot point. But what I'm saying is, is that in the passes that he was going to take, because I didn't think he was going to throw it 24, 25 times a game. I right, thought right. I thought 15 or less. If I was going to put money on there, I would have put 15 or less, and I would have yeah. walked away with some money. Yeah, He only had 17 dropbacks. He was responsible for at least one of his sacks, and he had wide open wide receivers to get the ball out. You know, the, the amazing pass he threw the Robert Woods, should have been thrown earlier, so he didn't have to make an amazing, weird wrist pass. He missed Chig wide open because he held onto the ball. He horribly mistimed Cody Hollister, who then he himself got shot and launched. Like he got, <laughs> I think he's trying to get pass interference because he knew that he wasn't going to be able to knock the interception away. You know, it, but it's growing pains. But I wanted to see improvement over preseason. That's all I wanted. In the ter in terms of hesitation, decisiveness, I wanted to see improvement. And we certainly and I did. Yeah, and that's okay. I don't care. Well, it's because he's it's okay because he's not really projected to be the starting quarterback at any point in the new very near future. At least not this season. If it, it may, I don't clearly. I didn't see anything that showed me he was ready for last season. I wanted to see the gamer side of things. I know that's a really vague sort of like. A, you know, way to describe a player, but I wanted to see that thing that clicks on when the game is going like, and it, and he went the opposite. He actually got worse because the that spotlight ties got into on the decisiveness to me, right? Because, it, like with all that arm strength, uh, arm strength, you can all the throws that were open, he should be able to make right then and there. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that there is, uh, first of all, not putting too much on a young player who's clearly not there yet in his first ever start. Yeah. That's all fine. Like I get like, all of that. Clear like your throat. About like, it. Oh, Malik Willis stinks, you know, just in capital letter stinks. Like give me a fucking break. No, no. But the one thing, like there was one play where he dropped back and decided quickly, this is not going to be open. I need to go up into the pocket, slither through the, the offensive line and then take off running and pick up like five or six yards. And that I wanted to, see, I expected to see a little bit more of that because I expected him to lack decisiveness with the ball in the air. I wanted to see him use his athleticism just because, again, in this one-off situation against the bad Houston team where you know Derrick Henry's going to carry the offense, it's okay for him to, to pull it down and protect the football more right. often than he would maybe if he but was. That falls into my decisiveness, by the way. That falls into that. When my decisiveness thing is like, okay, if it's not there, run it. Don't wait for the pocket to collapse, then run it. And it's <laughs> like... The, it's like the throwaway, um, 
the throwaway towards the end of the first half, he could, had plenty of room to get the first the first down. Yeah, right, right. And again, but bad decision. I'm okay with him throwing it away, just not in that yeah. situation. The, the eyes were bright. The stage was big. The spotlight was too bright for him. And that's okay. It's his first time. Like, it, I get it. Yeah. It's fine. Doesn't I, fucking matter. It, One way or the big, other, doesn't matter. It's not a big deal. Uh, again, if he has to start again against the Chiefs, we can have a different conversation. <laughs> Very, very different conversation about all the things. Uh, yes, Livingston. Even Neo fell on his first jump. If I assume everyone gets that reference. So um, as as uh, Morpheus, you know, trying to teach him trust, right? There's the whole deal there. Jump off the building. Okay. Um, anything else on Willis? Again, I think the athleticism is there. We'll see. Uh, but but it'll be fun to watch. It, it was must-see television, though. That's for yeah. sure. Uh, far more interesting. All right. SEC football here. We'll get to how dominant the Vols are because they were absolutely dominant. We'll get to that. But quickly, SEC chaos. I love this conference. Part of the reason this conference is great is that they the, the Auburn Tigers can hire an athletic director and fire their coach within a couple of hours. And it seems like John Cohen, the athletic director at Mississippi State, who, by the way, was born in Tuscaloosa, who, who coached at Florida and, and, and Kentucky. He played and graduated from Mississippi State. And now he's going to run the Auburn football program or the athletic department. Like uh, only in the SEC do you have a guy with that many ties to that many schools in the same conference. And by the way, Mississippi State ADU, the the their last three athletic directors are Greg Byrne, who is now at Alabama, Scott Strickland, who is now at, at Florida, and John Cohen, who is now at Auburn. Just providing everyone with athletic directors just for like 10 years now. So, uh, and then of course, Brian Harson gets fired, which means Auburn has paid by my math, $37 million in less than two years for two people, Gus and Brian to not coach their football team. It is great work. If you can get it. Uh, I saw someone tweet out today. That I'm going to tell my daughter to grow up, to be a fired <laughs> sec coach. I, I Auburn is the best job available. And people are like, no way, Nebraska, da, 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 da. you just love the SEC. And I'm like, no, I don't think you understand that if you go to a job and fail miserably, you will get paid tens of millions of dollars. Right. <laughs> if the worst, the worst possible thing that could happen to Shane Beamer or Josh Heupel or Sam Pittman or Mark Stoops or anybody, Lane Kiffin, the worst thing that can happen to you when you take a job in the SEC is you're awful and you get paid millions of dollars. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. It's worst things out in this world than being hired by Auburn. Unbelievable. Sure, it's stressful. Sure, it's you don't you don't sleep much and the boosters are a bunch of crazy lunatics. I'd be sleeping pretty fucking Who good cares? with a couple million dollars. Let me tell you that much. <laughs> Brian Harson's gonna how about that? Brian Harson's gonna make fifteen and a half million buyout, and he gets paid seven and a half of that in less than a month in one lump sum. $8 million. Here you go, buddy. He's going to be sleeping damn good. <laughs> and tomorrow's his birthday. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, my God. I just love Maybe he'll make enough money and use some of that to change his name to the correct spelling. Yeah, there you go. Here's the other thing to remember. Don't don't click on a list on the internet and think you're going to gain any insight as to who the Auburn Tigers are going to hire. There, there's none. The AD is not even in charge yet. He's not even there yet. He's barely there. They're going to do the search firm thing. They're going to have a conversation. They're going to back channel with some agents. It's going to be weeks before we, we, we no, no list is put out. If I put out a list on Twitter right now, it's worth nothing. I just want, like, I, I could tell you Lane Kiffin, John Summerall, Hugh Freeze. I could, I can name all these people off. I am, I have no insight into who John Cohen is going to hire. So don't, don't let the internet tell you 
who the actual candidates are. Those those names on those lists are not actual candidates. They're just names that we think would be good. <laughs> just I just want everyone to know that. Um, all right, Vols. Vols are just, uh, apparently I'm not saying this enough to my to my fellow UT alumni. Tennessee's really fucking good at football, okay? They're fucking they're, awesome. they're really, really, really good. Uh, they, I don't know. I, I guess I haven't made this point clear enough <laughs> because I, I'm getting hell for it. They're really, really, really good. I have no idea if that means anything in the SEC championship game or the playoff or whatever, but that's not important. What matters right now is the total and utter destruction of the Kentucky Wildcats on at Neyland Stadium on Saturday night to the tune of 205 yards of total offense, 44 more points on offense. Like just they are handling every moment as it comes. And now the biggest one yet at Georgia on Saturday is here. Can't wait. And their defense is pretty good. Like the defense is making critical stops and plays here and there. I mean, I don't know why defensive coordinators in the SEC have decided not to cover Jalen Hyatt, but I think that's a really bad strategy. What about you? So my advice would be to know where the receivers are on the field. Yeah. Like when they're on the field, I've never seen anybody that wide open that routinely. It's, it's just it's insane. Alabama. He, it happened to Alabama too. Oh, like, I know. You, hey, I fucking know. <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. I know. Like how do you lose? Happens. How do you lose that guy that many times by that many yards? I don't. It, it's in, it's incredible and. I don't know. Devontae Smith won the, the Heisman. I don't know why Jalen Hyatt's not in the conversation. And really, it should be Hinton Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, and whoever's fucking going to come in third. That's so, who should be up in New York. Well, here's what's funny, though. And this is going to sound anti-Jalen Hyatt or whatever. Um, I didn't think Devontae – I'm a voter. I did not vote for Devontae Smith. I didn't think he deserved to be the Heisman Trophy winner. I didn't think he was the most important player on that offense. I voted for Najee Harris because I thought Najee Harris was the best player on that offense. Hendon Hooker is clearly the most important and best player on this offense. And the reason Jalen Hyatt is 15 yards wide open is because of the scheme. He is not like, and this, but I think he at least deserves to make the trip. Dude, of course. And he is a wonderful player who is an amazing athlete. Who's doing amazing things. It's not meant to be a knock on him, but like what Devontae Smith did in that Alabama offense with uh, again, Devontae Smith, clearly not even the best receiver on that team. Uh, Come on down, Mr. Waddle. But I, I think, Hyatt is a great player, but the scheme is what giving is what's making him 12 yards wide open three times a game. Like it, it's not that complicated to run straight down the sideline and catch a pass. Like cover the guy. Like, what are we, what are they, what's Kentucky doing? What are these teams doing? I don't understand. You know, it's just, it's just something about this team that it can only get better. Like this is kind of smelling like it's got some staying power, you know, to around the sec. As soon as you start saying that you got to go to Georgia this weekend. So yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. (laughs) This is the beauty of all this. If you're angry, if you're a Tennessee fan, they're they're, The rankings are going to come out. Maybe they're number one. Maybe they're number two. Maybe they're number three. Who cares? Did they not already come out? It'll come what out did Tuesday. I see yesterday? No, the playoff rankings come out Tuesday night. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And so they'll either be number one, number two, or number three. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're tied what, with Ohio State, right? The both, the, aren't they both number two? In the AP poll. In the which, AP? As soon as the playoff rankings come out, none of the AP rankings matter anymore. So, And not that the playoff rankings matter either, because, again, they're going to play Georgia, and then we'll find out who truly is the number one team in the nation. And, and, and Ohio State's in the mix. I get it. I just – the defense has gotten better. They are pressuring the quarterback. Kentucky's offensive line is atrocious. They took advantage of that. 
There are two major matchups with Georgia. We're going to talk a lot more about it on Thursday, but there are two major matchups with Georgia. It is the Georgia defensive line against the Tennessee rushing attack, which frees up the secondary. And then it's, can Georgia go down the field, which they have not been able to do this season. So there are a couple of matchups that one that favors Georgia, one that favors Tennessee, that makes this a worthy game. Point spread, eight, eight points. I assume you're taking the Vols plus the eight right now. Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd take Vols plus three. Yeah, it's I'm taking the Vols money line. Let me let me tell you that. So and again, we'll get into this on Thursday. We'll get into this on Thursday. But the confidence and culture and cohesion and the star quarterback, that's Tennessee. Right. They're just as hot and as confident as any team has been all season with a great quarterback married to a great scheme with weapons on the outside. All of that mixed with. Well, it's going up against the maturity and depth of the Georgia program that has been playing in championship settings for six years now. They've, they've been to two national title games. They've won the ring. They're at home. Like it is all about the confidence in the hot quarterback and the depth and maturity of the big machine. And they're going to go head to head. And we're going to find out on Saturday, which one's better. So Georgia players are shitting themselves having to play this Tennessee team. I guarantee it. This is what I'm saying. Tennessee may win, but Georgia ain't scared, man. Georgia. I, I guarantee ain't scared. you guarantee you georgia defensive backs are fucking scared shitless right now now they weren't scared when they played alabama in the sec championship game last year either and they got their asses whipped so even the best defense in 40 years got its ass whipped in the sec championship game when alabama came out and punched him in the face so it doesn't about getting punched in the face Will Levis, or like Will Blavis. This guy, I have not seen any game this year that makes me say first-round quarterback. Nothing. So so here, I will say this, because I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't, I cannot remember finding a single list that had him number one overall. I think that was a fabricated internet thing. Oh, like no, I, I, I know. I can find it. I, I've seen him listed at like number seven and like number 10 and like top 10. Like I've seen him listed as a first-round draft pick by almost everybody. But I, I, I don't remember seeing a list where he was number one overall. I think that that was built up by a lot of people. Um, I, I think he's still going to grade out as a first-round quarterback, though. Like, I don't think they're, like, he's playing. I think people know he's playing behind a really atrocious offensive line. Just so you know. Mock draft by CBSSports.com on May 9, 2022. Round one, pick one. Will Levis goes to the Texans. Yeah, see, that, there you go. Glad you found it. <laughs> oh, I know, because I remember I, I uh, uh, Michelle Knezovic, I probably butchered her last name. No, you got it. Knezovic, exactly uh, right, yeah. There you go. Uh, she, she put out a tweet talking about him going number one overall, and I go, unsubscribe. So I could find <laughs> the tweet pretty easily. So you knew. I Again, I, I have seen him listed like fourth and seventh and 11th and 12th and 15th. Like I've seen him. I'm not arguing that he wasn't grading out as a first round pick, according to the quote unquote experts. He's just not fucking good. I, 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 I don't see it. I don't see anything about him other than he's just a tough white guy. That's all I see. I I think he is a late first round pick. That's what I think. I think you're, you're wasting your late first round pick on Will Levis. I that think Will Levis should be a third round pick. There, there's just nothing about his game. Other than he's big and tall, oh, he's that, got a big he's got a big arm. Um, yeah, but he ain't fucking using it very well. But his, <laughs> I think Kentucky is uh, an example of what the SEC is this year. Like Arkansas, Mississippi State, Kentucky. Like I think there's just a really, really strong middle class of not great but good teams, and then Tennessee has become a great team. 
And that's different. Now you've got three Just great. Just like I predicted Just right here on this fucking show. He, he, he may be a jackass, folks, but he does not lie. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Will Levis, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Kentucky, good team. Not a great team. Offensive line is atrocious. That was an ass whipping by Tennessee. And I'm glad because I had the Vols minus the 12 points. So, uh, all right. Georgia beats Florida. I think this was pretty impressive. 28 to three at halftime, just like Vols, 27 to six at halftime. They went out and handled their business. Um, I don't know if we learned anything against Florida other than, you know, Georgia's really, really good. I don't. I, I think, think they let. I think they can let bad teams creep up on them, and now they, they're they going to face a group, good team. And that's why I say it's not so flawless. They're still technically the best team in the in the in the country. They're undefeated, you know, and all that jazz and all that good stuff. They got the most, you know, experience probably out of the players as a collective and everything for championship caliber games, playoff games. Great staff. I just don't think they're the best team in the SEC right now. I think they're possibly. Number three, I'm just, I'm not decided yet. So I think we'll talk about this on Thursday. I could see Bama losing this weekend to LSU. I think Georgia's better than Bama. I think Bryce Young is better than anything Georgia has. But I think to your point, Georgia has not gotten up every weekend. Tennessee has been up for almost every opponent. Now, Pittsburgh's not very good, and that was a close game, but that was week number two. They got up for LSU and it, and it and they looked like it. They got up for Kentucky and they looked like it. They got up for Bama and it looked like it. Like they have mentally been in sync and locked into every game. You cannot say that about Georgia. Georgia Missouri game, Georgia Kent State game, turnovers, whatever it is, they have allowed teams to your point to to hang around a little bit more than we'd like to see from a dominant defending champion. But that Oregon win looks better and better and better every single day. That, so that I, I could argue that the best two wins in college football are Tennessee over Bama and Georgia over Oregon, because Bo Nix has a Heisman resume right now. They've scored 45 points in every game and they got beat 49 to three by Georgia. So uh, G- Georgia's been up for one game. We'll find out if they can get up for a second one this weekend. So I, I agree with, I agree with your point that I think that when you watch this Georgia team, it's just not as clean and crisp and clear as it has been in the past. And I think that sets up. I think that's because they lost 15 players and I, I harped on that all all off season long. That's why I said that I think UT can beat them. Now Georgia's playing better than I gave them credit for. I will say that I didn't think they were going to play as good and as well as they have, but their flaws, they're just so inconsistent from game to game and in the game. So it's kind of hard for me to fully trust and jump in that Georgia is a true, 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 true number one best college team, hands down. I think that's the right analysis. If they are at their best consistently, they're the, they could be the best team in the country by a large margin. But they have been wildly inconsistent and, and, and frankly, against a not very great schedule up to this point, other than the Oregon game, frankly. And I think what's interesting is, is is this the Georgia team that's just sort of been like managing itself until it gets to this point? Or is it a sign of a, a larger set of inconsistencies that Tennessee's going to exploit on Saturday? Again, we are going to learn everything we need to know on Saturday. Like if 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 Georgia is, just cannot cover the way Tennessee has forced defenses to look silly all season, then we're going to find out right away. Right. If they can line up with four guys on the defensive line and stop the run, then we're going to know they kind of were just playing with their pud for eight weeks. Yeah. Before before getting to the real part of their schedule, which is Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, like that's their last month, and that's the real part of their schedule. 
We'll find out if they were just biding their time or if they have major flaws. We're going to find out. Same thing with Bama against LSU this weekend. So yep. going to be going to be an awesome weekend in college football. There's there's no question about that. Uh, Ole Miss, you want to jump into Lane Kiffin trolling Jimbo Fisher? <laughs> Get the last laugh in on old Jimbo. Who, oh, man. And that Texas A&M team. Woof. Hey, found a quarterback. Yeah, Connor Connor Wigman's clearly the guy, the five star freshman. Just turn the keys over to him, Jimbo, and get the fuck out of the way, dude. All right. Yep. Just otherwise, Ole Miss still <laughs> the defense is still not great. They still can't throw the football, but yet they figuring out ways to win. So uh, I don't know how good Ole Miss is, I, but I think that's a hell of a win for them. Over Maybe the, the most fraudulent eight and one Pro- in the, probably in the, in the college football program. You think? I I think of all the teams around the country. Yeah, like they're they've got some okay wins. Their best win is at A and M, who's lost four straight. Their next best win is Kentucky, who you you just got done destroying. <laughs> so I don't. They're they're a good team. They're not a great team. They're a little overhyped by their ranking because of their schedule. Uh, but that is a very you don't go into Texas A and M and win very often if you're Ole Miss. Like that's just that's a good win for Ole Miss. Take the W. Um, they hit the over right. That's that the eight wins. They hit the over. Uh, but they got to figure out a way to stop the run. I they, there's still a lot of stuff ha- to happen in the West. <laughs> the East is down to Saturday. The East yeah. is the East is Tennessee, Georgia on Saturday. Winner goes to Atlanta. The West is still a giant cluster, like just a giant cluster. So Jimbo Fisher, four straight losses now, three and five. Couldn't Pre-se- happen to a nicer guy. Preseason top ten. <laughs> Yikes. Um, make sure you go buy Athlon Sports Magazines next year, folks. Um, okay, I think that just about does it. Special thanks to our great and amazing and wonderful sponsors, Weiss Liquors, the Kingston Group, and the Pharmacy, of course. Go have some lunch at the pharmacy. It is a fantastic place to go grab a burger and a beer and a brat and some tots. Best mustard in the city, so go check them out. The Pharmacy for Lunch over there, locally owned and operated since 2011. Weiss Liquors owned and operated locally since 1932, folks. 1932, before World War II. And, of course, the Kingston Group, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm for over a decade. I think like 14 years they've been they've been here uh, building houses and people trust their work. So go check it out. Zach, where can people find you? At FWordsPod on BroadwaySportsMedia.com. Go subscribe. I'm everywhere. You can't miss me. You got you got so you got a trade deadline special for F Words. You got the F Words pod on Wednesday. You got Monday. the Herndon show. Broadway Sports Media Insider Pass. Sign up for all that good stuff too, right? I mean, right. I, I, I think I got it all. Yeah. Right? Yeah. All right. Other than that, uh, subscribe to all the other great shows from the 440 Sports Network as well. Thanks to everybody for listening. Please share the product. Just tell somebody about the show. We really appreciate it. It's growing, and we really appreciate it. And Zach, fighting through illness and high ankle sprain to be here with you guys. We'll be back on Thursday. This, my name is Brayden Gallbottom. This has been a football show.